a holiday that's gone missing in my old age. It was there when I was a kid. This holiday existed. If you're from Michigan, you know the holiday. Before Halloween, the night before, was a holiday you don't find outside the Midwest. Never heard about it in Texas. They never heard about it in Arizona. What in Michigan do we call the night before Halloween? Devil's night. In Detroit, Flint, Pontiac, and Saginaw, celebrate this night, they would burn houses down. This is back in the 80s. As time went on, it became more tame. Thank the Lord. It became more of a throwing eggs at people's houses, teepeeing trees. There was a season of my life where I lived in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. We moved there for like two years. I lived up past the bridge. I was a youper for a second. On Devil's Night, kids would go around up there and they'd do things. And I had this memory. And it's, it's, when you get older, it's hard to remember the past because it gets like hazy, you know. It's hard to go back in time and remember what happened. But I remember this one Devil's Night, we were sitting up on the roof of our house. And the goal was to make sure no one messed with our house, right? And we didn't have eggs. We didn't have rocks. We, weren't, we didn't have BB guns. We weren't trying to start a, a gang war in, my, in the UP. We were up there just kind of watching, making sure no one came and just messed up our house. So we're up there watching. The night gets, the night, you know, gets long. It's dark. And you wait to see if anyone comes. In the UP where we lived, we had some trouble up there. We had a couple we wannabe gangs in the UP. Weirdly, we had like... Um, Occult stuff, remember that? Like, we did old abandoned, like, um, part of the town, and you'd find, like, animals, like, mutilated in old bus stops. It was wild up there. It was wild. So up there on our house watching that night, Devil's Night, make sure no one came to hurt our house. And the watching was phase one. Watching was part one. Is anyone coming? But phase two was just as important, right? If we saw someone coming, they were coming armed with TP, armed with eggs, a paper bag full of something, if they came toward the house, the watching was phase one. What was phase two? You have to speak. Now, I I was little back then. I was a little kid in the UP. If someone came, we were supposed to raise the alarm. Because our stepdad was inside, and he was a scary dude. He could come out and fight the fight we couldn't fight back then. If we were to see the, the enemy coming, we see the edge of the TP come, and we just watch them destroy our house, we would have failed as watchmen. The watchman must see, the watchman must wait, and the watchman must warn. The watchman must speak. Today we're in the book of Ezekiel, and we're talking about watching, the watchman. Back in this world, cities were like city-states. And safety, like there was no guns back in this day. Swords were the weapon of the day. So people would build walls to defend against swords and enemies. And and so people would like farm outside the city walls. But if, if, if evil came, you would go into the city walls and be safe. 
And, and, and the corners of the city walls would be these taller areas, like these parapets, and the watchman would watch at night. Is there an enemy coming? Is someone coming to do our city harm? And if someone came, they would raise the alarm. Now, Ezekiel is a prophet of God. And Ezekiel lives in Babylon, far away from Jerusalem. You see, Babylon in their strength, they had already come into Jerusalem, slapped them around a little bit, and taken some of their most educated young kids back to Babylon. And Jerusalem became a vassal of Babylon. So Jerusalem had to like pay a yearly annual tax to Babylon to keep their freedom. They're like, they're underneath the authority, but they have some self-autonomy a little bit. So Ezekiel gets taken this first wave, and he's brought to Babylon, and he's living there. And Ezekiel is sending these scrolls back to Jerusalem, and he's warning them. He's like, guys, we got smacked around, but there is a sword that is coming. Babylon, in all her fury, is going to come and wipe you out. He is screaming like, guys, there's a sword that is going to fall. He's trying to warn his brothers, his kinsmen, his friends, his family. Something worse is coming. The first war he went through was a, it was a walk in the park. This next war is going to leave us all dead and gone. The Bible says this. God says to Ezekiel, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, speak to your people, say to them, if I bring the sword upon a land and the people of the land take a man from among them and make him their watchman, if he sees the sword coming upon the land and blows a trumpet and warns the people, then anyone who hears the sound of that trumpet does not take warning and the sword comes and takes him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. God said to Ezekiel, Ezekiel, you are the watchman. I'm revealing to you the coming disaster. It is your job to warn your brothers. A sword is coming. So the message today is very simple. A sword is coming. Ezekiel He's not talking to pagans. He's not talking to worshipers of Baal or Dagon. He's talking to people who know the name of the one true God, who live in the shadow of God's temple and presence. He's talking to God's people. And today, so am I. I'm not yelling at the culture out there for being wicked. Lost people are going to be wicked. I'm talking about the wickedness in God's house sitting in this room, right here, and right now. Something's happened among the people of God. We think the love of God, we think it, we think it gives us a blank check to do whatever we want. That if, I, if God loves me, I can spit in his eye forever and he won't ever drop the hammer on me. Listen, our third value as a church, we speak Jesus, we serve Flint, we're called to obey our king. 
But a lot of believers, we live as though I got a blank check, I'm forgiven of my sins, I can do whatever the crap I want. I remember one day after church, a woman came up to me at the front of the building. I said, Pastor, I need you to pray for me. And what's going on? She says, I'm leaving here. I'm going to my ex-boyfriend's house, and I'm going to be with him. I'm going to cheat on my husband when I leave this place. Can you pray for me and forgive me for my sin? She wanted to get a jail-free card. She wanted me to give her a pass right now to do something wicked in the next 20 to 30 minutes. Now, she had like a little kid with her, too. I'm like, your kid's with you. Oh, he'll wait in, he'll wait in the living room. He'll be fine. She thought, I'm loved by God. He's got to forgive me. And where does this come from? Listen, let's go back in time. Our view of authority comes from the following thing. How many of us did things that our parents have never found out about. We can trick our parents, can't we? We can, we can, we can I don't care how, how smart our parents are, how close they watched, you got to learn to sneak around the rules, yo. Every one of us tricked our parents at some point, and we learn early, you can, you can psych them out. In my house, my wife and I have the smallest room in our house. No joke. The smallest square footage. And the reason we have the smallest room in our house is because it's the room at the foot of the stairs. Because what we knew, the time will come someday. One of my beloved, wonderful, sweet children might decide they want to sneak out of my house. I want them to pass by my door to do it. <laughs> you know why I know they would do you know what you you know why I know they'll try to do that? Because I did it. We've all tricked our parents. How many of us don't raise your hand, I won't get anyone in trouble. How many of us have broken the law of the land and got away with it? Don't raise your hand. Yeah, we have. Yes, we, I remember as a kid once, me and one of the boys. <laughs> we were out late past curfew. There was a curfew back then uh, for underage. And we were driving up Dixie Highway. We saw a cop way back there. I'm like, man, they, they pull us over. We're hit. So we see them. So my boy's like, we got to run. So he just speeds up and takes a right into a, into a subdivision. And we see the cop start coming. And I'm like, what are you? Like, we're all, like, I'm like, we're out late up in the night. Your house mom's going to kill me. This fool decides turns his lights off, screams to the neighborhood, pulls in a house, turns his car off, and we lay our seats down. Like, oh, we're going to get away. And that time we got away. <laughs> the cop didn't find us. No lie, a month later, happened to him again. And he ran to the neighborhood, lights off, pulled into a house, laid his seat back, he was by himself. And all of a sudden, came in right behind him and got him. My point is this. We have learned we can trick people. There's some authority we can fool. I have fooled my parents. I have fooled the cops. I have fooled my boss. And we think, if, the, if I ever get caught, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cry some tears. I'm going to give an excuse, and maybe I'll get off. Listen, 
God is not your parents. And God is not the cops. God's got the receipts. Someone's filming. God has, we, we think I can do what I want and no one will know. The Lord knows. Many of us live these lives doing things we know are against his nature and his heart. And the thing we'll say is, well, God is love. So his love is his greatest attribute, so the love will forgive the rest. Listen, three times in the Bible, the Bible says God is blank. One time it says God is love. God is love. Love is one of the essential attributes of who God is. What's the other one? In the Bible, it probably said the most. God is, never says just, holy. God is holy. It means he is righteous. He's high lifted up. And listen, the love of God does not like trump his holiness. We're Michiganders, so we know what euchre is, right? You play that ace, you play that ace of hearts again. I'm gonna win this, this uh this trick. Then someone has that jack, that right bower, and oh I lost. Listen, the love of God is not the right bower trumping the ace. God is love, but God is also holy. And if we as his children decide, choose to live in open rebellion to what we know he values and has commanded us, there is a sword coming. Be sure and know your sin will find you out. You can trick your parents, you can trick your spouse, you can trick your boss, you can trick your pastor. But you can't trick God. Now, it says in verse 7, So you, son of man, I have made a watchman for the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, you'll give them warning from me. If I say to the wicked, a wicked one, you shall surely die. And you do not speak to warn the wicked to turn from his way. That wicked person shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. If you warn the wicked to turn from his way and he does not turn from his way, that person shall die in iniquity, but you will have delivered your soul. What does this all mean? Listen. Either way, whether the watchman blows the trumpet or not, the sword's going to fall. But it does say to the watchman, if you warn the people and they do not hear you, it's all on them. But if you don't warn the people, it's on them and on you. As a preacher, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not a prophet, okay? I'm not Ezekiel. I cannot say, thus saith the Lord. I can tell you what the Bible says, and that's it. I can't go, can't go further than this book. I can't give you my opinion and make it stamp it holy. I can't do it. It's why I'll never tell you who to vote for because my opinion is not God's word. But I have to warn you. If I don't, 
That's on me. They're saying, does God really bring the sword on his own kids? Would the good God actually punish his own kids? Listen, the Bible says, whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. That's Hebrews 10. Listen, as a father, I want to just lavish good gifts upon my children. I want to give the goods. I was in Mexico last week. I didn't buy nothing for myself, not a thing. I went into shops, and all I was looking for were things my kids might like. I wanted, to, I wanted to just lavish my love upon them. That's the heart of a parent. I also want my kids to walk in this world wisely and well. And so guess what? Let's say for Christmas I buy my kids an old PS4. Merry Christmas, kids. I love you. And that kid, those kids decide to be disobedient, disrespectful, and foolish. I can then say, controllers up in the room, no PS4 for you. Whom the Lord loveth, he, he disciplines. Whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. In fact, the matter is, in this room, every single one of the Ten Commandments is broken. Legit. Every single one. Not an accident either. What are the Ten Commandments? It says... No other gods before me. Listen, many of us have things we love more than the Lord. Our families, our kids, our hobbies, our own pleasure, our own entertainment. We put things before God. It says, No graven images. Many of us are superstitious like crazy. We might have in our house a wooden cross or a necklace that we rub, hoping that it's a lucky rabbit's foot. Oh, help me. The Lord says, it ain't going to help you. It's just a necklace. It's just wood. It's just metal. It has no power. Third commandment, it says, do not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Holy cow, do we do that? Stub your toe, get cut off. The God I love becomes a curse word in my mouth. We do it. Four, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. <laughs> Taking a day a week, not only to rest from work, but to rest in the Lord. But we're too busy to rest, aren't we? We're too busy to get a day off, and we're too busy to take time to, listen, Getting under God's word, some days it's not pleasant. There are some rah-rah days. There's some days we'll laugh and talk and tell great stories, but some days the, the word of God, it says the word of God is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword. Sometimes God's word cuts us down. But we need it. I need to be resisted as a person. I need someone who loves me to look me in the eye and tell me, Ernesto, you're wrong. Now you're like, well, Pastor, you're preaching. You don't think I sit underneath the word? I go off once a year to a week of preaching. I sit under like three sermons a day, and the Lord cuts me to ribbons, and I love it. I'll go to a conference full of preachers, and I'll go sit there. And I'm, I walk with a bad actor every time I go to one of these conferences. I'll walk in like, what do I need to learn? I know stuff. I know the Lord. I know the Bible. The first song starts, and I feel my heart just go, 
start falling to pieces. I'm like, oh, no. Before I know it, I'm crying. The Lord is moving. I said under the word as well. Remember the Sabbath, they keep it holy. We must take time in our every week life to sit underneath God, to sit underneath his, to, sit, to be with his people, to rest under his word, take time to pray. Then we go into the, those are the, first, those are the godly kind. Those are the, the six of them that are about how we live with people. No, commandment number five says, anyone know commandment number five? Honor your mother and father in the Lord. Honor your mother and father. I see a guy hugging his mom back here. Good man. Listen. For kids, honor your mother and father. If you're a teenager, listen, I know you want to go, I'm free. Leave me alone, stupid parents. Got to honor them. But adults... I remember when I was a kid watching the Bruce Lee story. And Bruce Lee's was the greatest artist of our lives, right? Bruce Lee's the man. And in the movie, Bruce Lee's mama comes and smacks him in the head. He's like, I'm sorry, mama. And I laughed. I'm a big dude, too. I'm a big old man. I'm 42 years old. Guess what? My mama can still smack me in the back of the head. I'm like, I'm sorry, mama. I love my mama. One time, she would give me a smack because I was mouthing off. I was probably like 20. And I blocked the slap, like like straight up like ninja, like Hakka! and I was I, 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 dude, and I, I blocked it strong. And I looked at the hand, I was like, because I knew I'm a dead man. <laughs> like I done messed up. And I like blocked the right, here comes the left. Uh, but uh, listen, our parents are not perfect. They failed us. We'll fail our own children. It's the way it is. But God calls to honor the authority he put in our lives. How we speak of them, how we treat them, how we talk about them. Thanksgiving is Thursday. And this Wednesday night is the biggest bar night of the year. You know that, right? The Wednesday before Thanksgiving is the biggest bar night of the year. Because people hate going home. There's so much anger and animosity towards our families. Listen. On your mother and father in the Lord. Number six, it says, after parents, where does it go? It's number six. Is it marriage? Is it adultery? I think it's adultery. Thou shalt not commit adultery. What? That's seven? What's six then? Five. Kill. Do not murder. Okay, let's stop right there. You might say, I would never kill somebody. Listen. When the hate bubbles up, you ever say it? You ever think it? You ever wish for it? You ever hope for someone's, someone's destruction? I had, an old, I, had a, I had a man I knew and loved, a man who loved Jesus, came to me one day. He said, he said somebody, his wife had been attacked and abused. And this sweet church-going man, he said, I want them dead. Oh, it can, it can come, can it? That feeling, that desire for blood. 
Some of this room might have been come closer than we even care to admit. The Lord says the hate in our heart is already on the road to that sin. Then it says, then we'll say adultery. Number seven. Right, babe, am I right? Adultery seven. Listen. I said, well, you can fool your pastor, right? You can fool your pastor, but here's the reality. I know behind the smiling faces in this room, there's some real sin in the house. I've worked in the real world. I've worked on crews and listened to the guys tell stories about their vacations to Vegas and brag about all kinds of wicked, evil, awful exploits. It's against God. It's against God. God has a very specific God gave us this gift of intimacy. It's supposed to exist only in the covenant of marriage. Outside of that covenant, you displease the Lord. Number eight is what, Angie? Stealing. (laughs) Man, if you're from Flint, we steal like a mug, don't we? Like a mug, dude. I remember, dude, the hustle is, it's not, to us, it's not even stealing. It's just, it's just like making most of our time. I buy a nice shirt. No matter where it wants to get back the next day. Stealing. I lie on my taxes. Stealing. Get paid under the table to hide my money from Uncle Sam. Stealing. We do it, we brag about it, and we're wrong. We're wrong. In our business, we don't pay our employees right. We hire someone to do a job and stiff them. Stealing. Some of the guys in this room work for a living and own businesses. Have you been stiffed? Is it the worst feeling in the world when you do hard work for somebody and they don't pay you? It'll wreck your whole business. I have seen Christians stiff their brothers and sisters. For, for 200 bucks, you're going to be that much of a jerk? Hurt the whole family of God? We steal from the stores. We steal from, we steal from everybody. Stealing number nine has to be um, false witness. Do not bear false witness against your neighbor. Oh, you know what I love? You know what tastes so good in my mouth? Gossip. May God forgive me. Airing other people's laundry. Talking bad what we don't like. Or maybe someone we don't like a lot, we tell a new story about them just to burn their life down a little more. We lie about people. We lie to people. I learned it early. Welcome to calls. Uh, she's not home. Like, just, we lie. We just lie. We know we lie. We know we're doing wrong. We know. And the sins all like pile up. If I'm, ha- if I'm having an affair, I'm probably lying about where I am, what I'm doing, and the, the sin just compounds exponentially. 
And number 10, the hardest one, you shall not covet. Jealousy. You ever say the words, it must be nice? Someone gets a new car, must be nice. I'm mad at them. God blessed them and somehow I'm ticked off about it. But somehow God's blessing in their life makes me angry. If you get a nice thing, why don't I get a nice thing? And we reveal the brokenness of our souls. We are so selfish and self-centered, I can't handle if anyone else gets a blessing. And covetousness will lead you to all kinds of dark places. All over the place. I'm jealous. I'll lie about you. I'll steal from you. If I see someone else's marriage, I might have an affair because their marriage is better than mine. I'm going to leave mine to find another one. Listen. In this house, every one of the commandments is broken. Every one. If you belong to the Lord, I may not know. Your spouse may not know. Your kids may not know. Your parents may not know. May not know but the Lord knows, and he's going to deal with you. Yep. Hebrews says it is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. <laughs> I got this right here. Is there another mic somewhere that's going crazy? That's weird. Okay. Oh, my, the, the thing came undone. Sorry. My, my, mic's, my mic's dying. Sorry. Okay. The wicked who will not turn will fall under the sword. Jerusalem, the people there do not turn. They do not turn. And Jerusalem does fall. Babylon falls over that city like the rising of the tide. No one will be spared. In Babylon. But you understand something about the Lord. Verse 10 And you, son of man, say to the house of Israel, Thus you have said, Surely our transgressions and our sins are upon us, and we rot away because of them. How then can we live? Where is our hope? I am a sinner. Where is my hope? Say to them, As I live, declares the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. But that the wicked would turn from his way and live. Turn back. Turn back from your evil ways. For why will you die, O house of Israel? It is not, it's not, God does not want Jerusalem to fall. God wants them to turn. He wants to bless them. Many of us, again, many of us, our view of God comes from our view of our own stories, our own our authority in our own lives. There's this old movie that came out years ago called The Shining, which if you've never seen it, don't watch it, it's rated R. But I already watched it, so it's too late. In The Shining, the inimitable Jack Nicholson plays this dad. And it's a horrifying role because you feel like his wife, his kid, are always scared around him. He's always on the edge of boiling over. And the kid is just a, like, he loves his dad, but the dad has this edge of like, I'm just waiting for a reason to lash out at you. Parents can be that way sometimes. They can feel like 
His parents are just waiting to yell at me, just waiting to, to tell me I'm wrong, tell me I'm bad, tell me I'm no good. And so we're afraid that authority is simply this, this powerful organization, this powerful person just waiting to, to slap us and enjoy it. And we think the same way about God. Maybe our mom, maybe our dad, maybe our step-parents, maybe our pastor. All they did was just, all they did was stinking vomit, disappointment, and meanness at us. And so we think God must be the same way. God must have his sword out waiting. Who, who can I hit today? Who can I hit today? That's not the God of the Bible. It says here, he does, he has no pleasure in the death of the wicked. That's why God sends Ezekiel. That's why God sent Jeremiah. It's why God sent Daniel. God is like, don't keep going this way. I knew a, a police officer told me this story. When he was a rookie, he was on a call, he was being trained. Bad car accident down 75 a little way. The guy in the car was in real bad shape and he was going to die. And this cop was a believer in Christ and this cop went to the window where the guy was. He said, sir, you there? And the guy's there, his eyes closed, his body wrecked, and he was coming, it's not going to make it, it's not going to make it. And the cop says, listen, man, you're in bad shape. Ambulance is coming, but you might not make it. And the guy's sitting there, and he goes, listen, are you ready to meet God? Like God sends a prophet, this man, at the 11th hour. At the very end, God sends one last chance to that guy because God does not, take, he does, does not take pleasure in the death of the wicked. And that man opened his eyes and he said, curse your God. And he died. Listen, God sends the watchman to warn. He doesn't, well, listen, that's the story of Jesus. So we, you know why we speak Jesus so much? Jesus came because we are. We are a car going too fast and the roads are icy. And the Christ is trying to invite us into a better way. Listen, even if as a believer, the cross of Christ may hold my sin, or my, the cross of Christ may hold my soul from going to hell, I can make my life hell on earth, can I? Sin breaks our lives here and now. I can break relationships. I can hurt my neighborhood. I can hurt myself. Jesus, says, Jesus comes from the Father because the Lord God of heaven wants us to be saved. He wants us. I mean, what does Christ say? His opening volley, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, a sword is coming. So, this is why God sent Jesus. Out of God's great love for all of us, Jesus comes to warn us of God's heart. And so, I'm going to ask Mr. Colin to come back up and play the guitar as we end our time together. I want to give you a chance to deal with the Lord. If the Lord's whispering in your, in your ear, listen, I can't cover every sin, but 
you, you, the Lord, the Holy Spirit's powerful. He's, he's, he's whispering in your ear. We're going to open up this altar. If you want to come and bow the knee and just talk to God, if you want to lay your sins right here, say, Lord, I'm tired of, I'm tired of carrying this sin. I'm tired of being a slave to this sin. I'm tired of lying and hiding. I'm tired of the guilt and the shame. You can come here and kneel and just say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I want to turn and live. That's what he says at the end. Those who turn will live. I will pray. And if you want to come, you may come. Father in heaven, thank you for your word that is true. You sent Ezekiel to warn the nation. And your word still speaks. And it warns us, your children now, 2,000 years later, it warns us. The penalty of sin is still death. Sin kills our friendships. It kills our families. It kills our own heart. It kills our witness. It kills our work. As your children come and confess their sins this morning, hear our hearts, Lord. Be gracious and forgive us, O Lord. My Lord and my God. And pray that we ask these things. God bless you as you come.